You're listening to Tim Talks, Taking Interest in Ministry, a conversation between two great friends with over 70 years of ministry between them. Ministering on opposite sides of the border, Dr. Al Stone is the General Director of Bearing Precious Seed Canada and Pastor Emeritus of the Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada, while Pastor Dan Wolven pastors the North Columbus Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Listen now as Al and Dan review and relate their experiences in hopes of helping others who are taking an interest in ministry. Now, here is Tim Talks. Welcome to Tim Talks. Oh, that sounded good. The (laughs) decaffeinated edition. The Uh, decaffeinated edition. And the non-coffee edition. Decaffeinated, yes. That's right. Absolutely. Well, uh, Pastor Stone is unavailable. Now, he chose to do his interview last week without me. Now, why, I don't know. But he chose to do that without me. And so then he just sort of fell off the end of the world. So... We apologize. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis are no longer a tandem. So, you know, it's uh, I just happen to be the one who's suave and handsome and with my co-host here gets all the pretty girls, the king of cool, the great voice, <laughs> and also <coughs> a heavy smoker. Yes. <laughs> yes. The throaty cough. So I am here with my wife, Denise. Awesome, awesome. I'm here. And I thought what we would do this week, in the absence of Pastor Stone, honestly, we have not been able to sort of get our schedules to mesh together. And so that's why he did the last week, and we're doing this week, and then we'll see what's going to happen next week. We have no idea yet. But uh, I thought what we would do this week is have a great opportunity to go over education. Okay, sounds good. There's a lot of our young people are in school. A lot of college students who listen are not only, you know, trying to increase their own education, but then they're also thinking about and preparing for teaching others, with whether in the church or in a school. Right. And then, of course, we've got a lot of young parents and a lot of pastors who listen. And, of course, uh, many pastors uh determine, not that you can't, but it's up to each and every family to decide how they want their children educated, whether in public school or Christian school or home school. So um, our children's education is very, very important. So I know the Bible says, let another man's mouth and not thine own praise thee. So would you please give us a little bit of your resume about education? Ooh, I haven't had a resume in so many years. Okay, <laughs> let's see. I'm ready for Social Security. So wait a minute here. i got to go back to that. Um, I Well, I'll go backwards in the fact that my last degree was in um, biblical education through West Coast Baptist College. So I would encourage um, all, like even homeschool moms, people that really um, you desire more education for yourself. You uh, you need more Bible knowledge about different things. You need to structure yourself or want to just be a better uh, teacher, homeschool teacher. Jump onto some of those online programs. Find a great Bible college that you can look to and um, go ahead and look through their curriculum. There's a lot 
uh, going on, and you can earn a degree. I earned a degree when I was in my 50s. Hard to believe. Your master's. Yeah, my master's. Yes. Yeah, I had an undergrad degree in 1982, oh, back when dinosaurs were roaming and pterodactyls were flying, but there we are. So, uh, But it was, it was really cool for my Christian school kids. A uh, shout out to Northside Christian School out there in Westerville that they were able to uh, watch me graduate from West Coast Baptist College online and see their teacher walk alongside all these 20-some-year-olds. It was awesome. So anyway, but that's that's my last part of my resume, but I have about 20-some years of teaching experience from K-4 all the way to grade about 11, and I really enjoy middle school. Shock. I think it's longer than that, but Probably, that's yeah. okay. I, I just want to, I don't want to be dishonest, so it's at least that much. So. Oh, yes. And, and uh, from my perspective, and parenting probably what many parents and many principals uh, have said, I believe that my wife is a master teacher. Now, everybody wants to brag on their spouse. Oh, well, thanks. except my wife. But everybody wants to brag on their spouse. Yeah, here's the $10 I gave you. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, truly, um, I can say this objectively, that uh, there are literally hundreds of parents out there who look to my wife and say that um, the years that she was able to teach their children in Christian school was probably one of the best years that they had. And so um, so what do you think makes for a good teacher? Wow, that's a big, giant, long list, and we would need like, you know, four podcasts for that, but that's okay. Um, well, for me, uh, I, I grew up thinking that I would not be able to be a good teacher at all from anyone— over the age of first grade, because I was afraid all the time that I didn't, I, I wasn't, um, I was the top of our class or anything. You happened to be one of the top of the class, and uh, Vicki and a few others were top of the class, but I was right in the middle, and so that bothered me throughout high school, and, you know, my GPA wasn't awesome, but I think that God gave me the ability to, that those abilities, or lack of, as an average person, to become a good teacher. I, I don't call myself a great teacher, but um, at least someone who understands when kids struggle, and I understand that, and I can bring them along so that they can understand, especially in, in you know, math and a few other things. Okay. So um, uh, what are the classes, basically, that you've taught, the classes you have expertise in? Wow. Okay. Well, I've taught. My favorite was teaching PE, but I don't have an expertise in that. But I'm telling you, uh, shout out to Doug Hoffman over at HCS in Cleveland. We had great years there, sir. And um, we, we, I really enjoyed it because there were no paper grading. It was awesome. So anyway, we could run around with the kids and get them fit and have fun and get them structure. Anyway, but I would say I enjoy the middle school years in math um, especially pre-algebra and algebra one. I really enjoyed it. And um, other people helped me through those years. A couple people over at Heritage that knew math better than I did tutored me a little bit on some things I was a little unclear about um, after my undergrad degree. And so it really helped me. And so I would say in maths, the math area, and also I enjoy the structure of grammar and English as well as literature, although you're better at grammar than I am. Well, but your expertise, you taught lower elementary for quite a few years. I did. I was Upper in, elementary for quite a few years. Yeah, the most. Yep. And then 
for some reason, you poor demented person, you enjoy <laughs> middle school. It's There's amazing. very few people that enjoy middle school. Right. Most of it look at it as, as a prison sentence. Yes, fifth graders. They start about fifth grade now in middle school. They go to about eighth grade or ninth even sometimes. And they're usually my height at the beginning of the school year in fifth grade, and they're taller than me at the end of it. So you have to be kind of part mommy, part, uh, you know, not a Hitler. I don't want to say that, <laughs> uh, lest I be labeled <laughs> on the podcast. But anyway, you have to have a lot of structure with them. Kind of mommy them a little bit, but you have to have a part clown in you, which is great because that helps me during podcasts as well. Yes, exactly. So, um, all right, um, we're going to look here Monday basically as what fundamentals that you suggest that a child has. So um, let's start with those early years, whether it's kindergarten through first through third grade, something like that. But what are those fundamentals that you think is so vital for a child to have in, in those first two to three years? Okay. Okay. You're saying prior then to school, are you saying? Okay. During like preschool? Yeah. In education. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, there are a lot of fundamentals, but what's helpful for teachers is the fact that the children have a fundamental basis of the Word of God somewhere in their life that their family has already had them in the Bible a little bit, meaning telling them stories, helping them understand who God is. Um, I was older. I was like kindergarten age when I even found out who God is. And so That was interesting for me. I had no idea, you know, when my dad brought me to Cleveland Baptist Church all those years ago, you know, that there was a Jesus and that he died for me and loved me. So I think little children need that basis of love from the Savior. I don't know if that's quite what you're looking for, but uh, unconditional love from the Savior in in home, as well as unconditional love at home. Um, They need a a stable family, not one that's um, kind of willy-nilly and they don't have a structured kind of home they need they need nap times they need bedtimes they need supper times they they need times together with their family um also you know also you just have to have just that kind of structure but it allows them to be kids because they are kids i know some parents that have had difficulty they want them in such a stringent atmosphere that they can't even break out of it to say oh yeah get out in the yard and get dirty oh no you have a you know, a crumb of dirt on you. We have to take a bath right now. Like they shelter them too much. So you kind of have to be someone that's able to roll with the punches a little bit with kids as well. Am I getting there for you? What are some of those uh, basics that you would think every teacher would want those children to have, let's say in those first two to three years? Uh, Teachers would want them to be, nowadays you have to say it, be potty trained. (laughs) Please do that before they come into the classroom. I can't imagine children wouldn't be potty trained for kindergarten. Well, I don't know. I think nowadays the structure of families are are different than they were. Mm. And you really have to kind of look at this new group of people and wonder, what in the world? But back in the day before Velcro, all the kids had to tie their shoes. Oh, yes. Remember that? I can remember you still put put your finger there, put the loop around. I mean, we Make did the that. bunny year. Yes. Yep. And so still, I think it's great. Um, I can still remember kids had to memorize their address. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, right now we get high schoolers literally in the yes. bus on our bus, and I'm not downing them necessarily, but many of them don't even understand their or know their addresses. Now it could be because they move so often, I don't know. But kids should know their address. They should be able to take care of themselves rudimentarily. Um, you know, open their own lunchbox, do their own thing. I can still remember the bags of milk we had to stab. (laughs) (laughs) Because of it. Save an extra penny. Yes, let's do that. So I can remember all those bags of milk being on a tray and us having to stab them, stab them. And every child learned how to the first time when they stabbed it wrong and it went everywhere. Exactly. It was a big debacle. So (laughs) (laughs) shout out to all the teachers that have helped with those through the years. Um, So anyway, but uh, any other things you're thinking? I'm not sure if I'm quite answering you. Can a child, when does it, when should a child read? When should a child be able to add? How much should a child be able to go into division? Those kind of things. Okay. Um, well, adding, I'm watching our grandson who adds now and he's in first grade. So, um, things like that. I I think that I, what I've seen now through kids is that they can't, they don't have the writing skills to write their name, print their name at that age. Um, it's kind of rough for them and I'm not sure if they just don't practice it enough or whatever, or if it's not taught. I know that printing is probably not taught in many schools. And I still think I'm, I'm an old school person. I think that they need to know both. I need to, Why? Because printing is on everything that our country has as an application or whatever. Please print your name. Well, mm-hmm. believe it or not, they can't do that. It's like, okay. <laughs> to me, that's fundamental to getting a job. So maybe that's why. Okay. Um all right, so let's say upper elementary, what are some of those things that a child should be doing by the time he gets in that third through sixth grade area, fourth, fifth, sixth, let's say? Okay. Um, they can start, like, getting their own alarm clock and being able to set it maybe and start getting up and learning to not hit the snooze button. Believe it or not, I think they can do that. Um I don't know. I think we were latecomers on that ourselves. Our boys, we just got them out of bed and said, get up and go, you know. But they could do that. They can help with household chores. They should maybe have a chore list, but nothing too extending because they will have sports starting. They'll be on, you know, intramural teams or city teams and things like that. So you have to be careful of their schedule. But they should have some house chores. Myself, I think they should. Education-wise. Okay. Um, what they should know, you're asking? Okay, they should know, well, oh, goodness, add, add uh, making change from a dollar is a big one. I'm, I'm sorry, but I fifth grade, I beat it into their heads how to get change from a dollar because so many people even go to the, you know, McDonald's drive-thru now and they can't figure that out. So I would say third to sixth grade, they should, you know, probably not third grade, but by fifth or sixth grade, they should know change from a dollar, they should know uh, multiplying by three-digit integers, that kind of thing. They should know those things. They should know the basics of grammar, nouns, verbs, pronouns. They should know the basic parts of speech and things like that, myself, I'm thinking. So they okay. should be great, very avid readers, and they can start at least in third grade becoming an avid reader. And I will harp on this. A lot of kids need to be read, too. We're looking at a generation that's reading on their own, off their phones and other things. But I still think there is a sweetness and a 
goodness in parents reading to their children, um, even chapter books. Find some good chapter books. Go through some of these Christian warehouses, even on Amazon that you know, and um, get some good chapter books and start reading in the evenings to your children, and you will be surprised how they will not care about that TV. So what is a chapter book? Oh, chapter books would be like all the Little House on the Prairie books. Oh, okay. Those kind of things. Uh, we all, we Children's call them, classics. Correct. We call them all chapter books because they're not just picture books. Mm-hmm. Picture books are, you know, Hop on Pop, Go Dog Go. Those are the kind those that— Those are my favorite. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hop on Pop. <laughs> Up goes Pop. You know, that kind of thing. But uh, I think Micaiah, even our youngest grandson, he is going to be four, and he— can start into hearing chapter books because children can hear books read to them before they can do it themselves. Oh, yes. So he would like, I mean, I remember reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, in my classrooms, fifth graders, we did that every day. We I read to them after lunch because I still thought that they were young enough that they would enjoy it, and you wouldn't believe how much they I loved, loved it. it. They they even got blankets and stuffed animals and brought them <laughs> to school in Westerville there for me. And it was hilarious to see them after lunch. They'd lay their head on their desk and I would just read to them, you know, one more chapter out of, you know, Prince Caspian or whatever it was. So to me, that's really, really neat. Parents need to do that that are homeschooling or do it at nighttime if your kids go to a school. Um, and teachers, if you're out there, hey, read to those kids that are in elementary school and middle school. Shockingly, I bet you there's a 10th grader out there that would like to be read to a little bit. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I remember growing up in school and routinely it was after lunch, our teachers, or sometimes it was during lunch whenever we were in a right. school that was big enough to where we couldn't go to the cafeteria. Right. There were too many children. No, okay. that was in that day and age. You yeah. know, now nowadays, thanks, there's not very many. But uh, we there was no room for us in the cafeteria, and we had our lunch at our desk. Right. And our teacher would read to us during lunch and then after lunch. You know, it would wind up going, you know, after. And I can remember many times just getting to the end of that chapter or maybe a real good part. To, I still remember the man in the iron mask. Yeah, yes. And, and you know, I mean, I, we're just— Waiting and waiting, and then it's like, should we close the book? We'll look at, see what happens. And it's like the whole class went, ah! Yes, I can we still, still need that reaction, mm. that's for sure. Yes. I, I would have that happen the same way. And I'm trying to think of that, oh, Homer Price. I remember yep. reading that one. So mm-hmm. everybody look up, look that one up. Mrs. Pigglewiggle. The Mrs. Pigglewiggle. It's a yep. series, and you yes. guys will love it out there. It's probably ancient, but I bet it's out there somewhere. Oh, I'm I'm sure that it is. Yep. So, um, all right, so here's one of the situations that uh, parents sometimes run into. What happens, and I sort of want to look at the parent aspect. I think that maybe Wednesday we'll look at dealing from a Christian school, and Friday we'll sort of look at some of the particulars about homeschooling. But as we look at education just in general, trying to get your child a a very good education, um, what, what does a parent do? If they feel like their child has missed a level, missed something important, like let's say maybe learning fractions or uh, multiplication tables in second or third grade, I, I think that's about whenever they do that. And and so maybe they're in fourth or fifth and now they're having a real trouble because they missed something. 
What does a parent do? Okay. If they've missed something and they've been in a school situation, uh, they need to think through, okay, it's nobody's fault necessarily. <laughs> I wouldn't say, okay, go blame the teacher because we yes. played that game a million years. But I would um, note it for uh, future reference maybe to the teacher or principal to mention it and just say, hey, my child's weak in this area and we're going to have to bolster him for this coming year. Um, if I saw one of ours that was missing math facts, let's say adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, then you just go to a teacher supply store. Don't go to the Dollar Tree because they don't have enough of them or like they're not as extensive. But go to a teacher supply store. They still have them around and get flashcards. And remember what we did, the do know pile and the don't know pile. You do them every night and you do them for about 30 minutes a night. And I know that's quite the commitment nowadays, but it will pay off. Whatever they're deficient in, if it's mathematics, you have got to do something about that because they won't be able to just not necessarily make it up um, the next year. They're, they're going to get clobbered the next year with more things. And if they don't have a foundation that you know they need, um, you need to get to it and get those math facts known. Uh, Fraction-wise, um, there's a lot of different things online that you can show them now, I'm certain, uh, picture-wise, so that they can see what different fractions are. And I, I think kids don't understand decimals compared to fractions. Mm. And our our kids in America understand fractions better than they do decimals. So if you can get them into the decimals, <laughs> that will help them as well. It'll help them learn to tithe at least. That's right. 10%. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Um, okay. So um, how do you keep from playing that blame game? Whenever a child winds up, uh, you see that a child is deficient in some area. Maybe a teacher sees it or a parent sees it. Uh, how do you avoid playing that blame game? Well, first off, you don't go there. You don't allow it. as the te- I go at it from the teacher's vantage point. But if you were a parent, I would not blame the teacher out of the gate. And because that's going to put the teacher on the defense, mm-hmm. a parent needs to go to them as a, a, a kind of a common group feel to it. So how are we going to solve this more in a problem solving way rather than a blaming way? So I wouldn't even go to a blaming situation. I'll ha- I hate to say it, but a lot of fifth, sixth, seventh grade people, kids, they could care less. They don't understand that they're going to need this knowledge later. And so sometimes they're lazy and it's actually their fault. It's not the teacher nor the parent. A lot of times it's that child's fault. However, regardless, um, if you go at it at a group way that we must solve this, um, find the common ground, figure out where what the main issue really is, and um, just uh, start from there. Start from ground zero without blaming anyone. Um, I would say, you know, play offense in your talking with someone, not just defense. Don't feel like you have to defend your child all the time or defend yourself. Or if you're a teacher, defending your methods, you know, decide that we are a common group together that we can solve this and let's figure out a structured way to do it. What is, uh, what is the importance of a child having a bedtime, a consistent bedtime? For elementary children, it's vital because they won't think well the next day. 
um, especially, I mean, when they have testing the next day, uh, not testing, but like when you have your SAT tests and mm-hmm. other things throughout, I remember parents would really get on the ball during that week and kids would go to bed on time and eat normal meals and, you know, have a structured kind of lunch and this, that. But then the rest of the year, they didn't care as much. And it's like, yikes, the teachers are all, if they would just send them to bed when they're supposed to. So I guess that every every family has to decide that. But kids need more sleep than they will tell you. Um, they'll tell you that they don't need much. Even teenagers will play that game, that they only need a few hours. And then they're flopped over on their desk sleeping. And it's it's just, I think kids all the way through high school need a bedtime. But I'm just very old school. Um, what would you do if your teen was up all night on their computer or on their phone? Well, first off, I take the phone. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but goodbye phone. But I would have rules about the phone. So that's something you would hit more than I would because you're the dad. So what would you say, Dad, about that? Teachers would all go, throw the phone in the river. <laughs> yes. But I don't know what parents would do. If I had a teenager, I don't know what age I would let them have a phone. I'm very, very conservative about that idea. And I see too much going on with kids that are too young on phones all the time and getting too used to being on, just being, I don't know, their time taken up too much. With so try not, not like, to think of what you did as a mom. Okay. But as a teacher, uh, whether, you know, school or homeschool, what time would you suggest a child goes to bed? What time would you suggest they get up by, by the time they have to leave? I would say most younger children should be in bed by 8. That's my guess. Uh, for so bedtime people. should start at... Well, seven thirty. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. Well, seven, yeah. seven fifteen. Because by the time they take a bath, by the time they, right. you know, get in their pajamas, by the time they have their snack, if they get one, by the time they, I mean, it's it's a. I remember those years. It was a process. Yeah, it can be for sure until they get a little older. But I think eight for sure for younger kids, all the way up through sixth grade minimum. So seventh grade maybe maybe nine. And let's say. There's time X that they're leaving the house. What okay. time they sh- should they be up before then? Depends on what your how long your family has to drive to the school or when they have to or get the bus. Whatever time they have to leave the house. Right. When they have to leave the house, it's probably an hour and a half beforehand. I don't know. Hour to an hour and a half beforehand. They should so. not be getting up a half an hour and trying to run around right. and be goofy. I always had their lunches ready for as a mom, but... Um, the night before, but um, if if they even have to prepare a lunch, goodness, an hour and a half for sure. So I, that's what I would say. And I know a lot of parents, friends of mine, that had their kids make sure they read their Bible a little bit before they came mm-hmm. to the breakfast table. And actually, they should have a breakfast table. They should not just grab mini muffins on the way out of the house. Yeah, everybody down. winds up having those rush days. Right. Something, somebody, you know, forgot to set an alarm. Something like I mean, right. but that should not be normal. Right, and I understand because I was a working mom during all those years too. You can't really have a cooked breakfast all the time. I remember making those, um, <laughs> those, uh, 
those oatmeal packets and things like that for the boys when it was cold weather or mm-hmm. things like that. But I didn't really cook eggs and, you know, have this big giant thing on weekdays. I know that. But, you know, they always had a time where they they needed to sit down and eat something real quick. Yeah. Yeah. For us, it was best to do once they started getting, getting in school, we sort of had our um, – family devotions at the breakfast table rather than at night. Right. But before they're in school, we had them at night. Right. The funny story of, Dad, can I have some more Cheerios? Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, that does it for this uh, podcast today. Uh, we're, I really hope that this will be a blessing to you. And um, while we're not trying to say everybody has to do what we have done uh, we would love to be able to say, please don't do some of the mistakes we have done if you want to wind up uh, doing things better. But I would I would definitely encourage people to have a structure in their home, um, whether it's you're allowed to play for an hour and then you must do your homework before supper or you must do your homework right away or what. I think it probably is a little beneficial to let them play and get it out of their system a little bit before they do homework. But regardless, you know, have a structure. I am dumbfounded. I'm absolutely dumbfounded as I've been dealing with families over the years of the number of people who just just live willy-nilly throughout the week. I, I I'm just dumbfounded. I know. And I think that they are going to regret it later on, but I don't know. They all seem to be floating on a cloud somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. That would drive me crazy. <laughs> well, until they get to be 25. And, yeah. And they're you know, still living at work. home. <laughs> they're in the mom's basement asking for pizza bites to be given to them. Anyway. All right. And they don't know whether they need eight pieces or 10 pieces of their pizza cut. Yes, exactly. (laughs) There you go. Oh, man. Well, thank you so very much. This is Dan Wolven in Columbus, Ohio. And with me, my beautiful wife, Denise Wolven. And uh, thank you so much for listening today. And we hope that uh, this will be a blessing to you and help get you thinking and considering. And I will tell you one thing for sure. If you email me, at pastor at mynCBC.com and you have questions for my wife, I guarantee you that she would uh, she would definitely answer and be able to help you with many different things. We're going to be looking Wednesday, uh, how can my Christian school be better? And we'll be looking Friday at how to have a stellar homeschool education. So God bless you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Tim Toss, taking interest in ministry, with new podcasts added each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To learn more about your hosts, Dr. Al Stone and Pastor Dan Wolven, you can visit us at timtalks.com. That's T-I-I-M talks.com.